Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the MMQB podcast. It is Wednesday, September 27, 2023. We are through the first three weeks of the season, headed to week four with the Lions and the Packers up in Lambeau Field, starting it off on Thursday Night Football. I'll actually be at that game covering it, covering it for SI, uh, and it should be a good one. We'll get into that game a little bit later when we get to our top five games of the week. But uh, Gilberto Manzano joining myself here, Matt Verter, and we have a lot to get into. Uh, this was a week that saw a team score 70 points. This was a week that saw the Bears continue to uh, stink worse and worse by the hour. And this was a week that brought up a lot of consternation about the Jets and Zach Wilson, where this whole thing is headed. And so we're going to into all that and more. Uh, but first, uh, Gil, how you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. But uh, I got to say, you forgot to bring up also a week that we saw Taylor Swift in the suite of Arrowhead Stadium with Donna Kelsey. Come on, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm terrible at that kind of stuff because, like, <laughs> I, I'm so focused on football that I – but you're right. You're right. And the shame of that is I grew up a Chiefs fan, so I really should be on top of that. Um, right, look, let's start there. I mean, do we think the relationship is – is this is this something that we think is real? Do we think this is like – you know, some people think it's a PR move. Uh, I'm more in the camp of I actually think somehow this is real. I think Kelsey uh, maybe drew like the inside straight here with that friendship bracelet he, he tried to get to her at Arrowhead. Uh, do you agree or do you think it's PR? Yeah, well, first of all, sorry for making you talk about Taylor Swift. I know everybody's <laughs> yeah. talking about it everywhere, but I feel like I guess we have to too. We have to. It's kind of the deal at this point, yeah. And you know what? I'm kind of with you. I think it is, you know, authentic, I guess. I won't, I won't say love, but dating here. Yeah. And, yeah. And, but my conspiracy theory, uh, Matt, here is I think they were dating before that. Before Travis Kelsey announced to the world he shot his shot after the oh. concert. And I think it was more like, hey, let's get some attention here. We are celebrities here. We need a bigger profile because, you know, Taylor Swift has, you know, worldwide attention. She needs more. So uh, maybe that's where I'm losing myself in my conspiracy theory here. But, you know, if, if you're going to do a, a PR stunt for uh, revealing, a, I guess, a, a new love life with another celebrity, that's the way to do it. Because the podcast for the Kelsey Bros. I'm sure it's, it's it's blown up. I think it's number one on Apple Podcast. So maybe number two is uh, the Midweek Show here. I mean, it could be. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of tension over there, and uh, it, it, it it's uh, interesting to see how it plays out and how how people are very fascinated by this, and especially seeing all the TikToks of like you know all the wives upsetting the husbands, saying 
did, did you know about this Kelsey guy? You know, Travis, I mean, Taylor Swift really put him on the map and they all get upset. So it's been funny to see. It's funny because the Chiefs now have jumped from being this great football team that's won two Super Bowls in the last few years here to now they've become almost like Americana, where when you turn on the television, you got Mahomes repping Subway. Mahomes is on State Farm. Andy Reid's on State Farm. On those Subway commercials is Chad Henney, who Mahomes somehow cut into this deal. Okay, He's a retired quarterback who's now getting some play. Kelsey has direct TV that he shares with Chris Jones. He's got Pfizer, which I'm, I'm sure in some corners of the world, heads exploded everywhere with that. Okay, you've got Kelsey doing Bud Light commercials. He's on Lowe's commercials. And now he's got Taylor Swift up in one of the suites at Arrowhead Stadium, chest bumping, doing high fives, screaming some obscenities. And his mother's sitting there, and they're renting out a, a restaurant after the game. Look, it's – I don't know where this is all going. I don't know, like, if this thing's actually going to blossom into a full-blown relationship, if they're going to be friends, like, whatever. Whatever it is, it's incredible. And on Sunday Night Football uh, – spoiler alert, this is not going to be one of our top five games – the Chiefs play the Jets – at MetLife, okay, where if you're into this type of thing, they're favored by nine and a half on the road over at SI Sportsbook. Taylor Swift lives in New York. I'm from that area of the country. That's not a hard commute to get to MetLife, okay? And I'm going to go ahead and guess she's not driving her Mazda Miata over to the game. She's probably going to be able to bypass some of that traffic. There's a damn good chance, in my opinion, she'll be at that game. And if this becomes, you know, 27-3 to in the third quarter, we're going to be getting a whole lot of Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, okay? So... Settle in. If you think it's bad before, we're going to be at Collinsworth breaking it down. Tariko's going to be talking about it. It's uh, it's unbelievable. You either love the Chiefs or you hate them with a visceral passion. I mean, I don't think there's anything in between at this point. Yeah, man. I think the NBC people, the TV executives are saying, you know what? This game might be very awful to watch. So can you send the car to get Taylor Swift so we can have a bunch of shots about her? Because uh, Fox did it brilliantly there because it was 41-0 against the Bears. And hey, just keep going to Taylor Swift and what, 34 million people watch that game? So, yeah, you, you might be on something there for her to attend that game. And and, and you talking about how, how how popular this team is. And, you know, it's just funny. It's in Kansas City. You know, nobody cares about those New York teams or the teams in L.A. It's, <laughs> it's in Kansas City. So a big win for the Midwest there. It's, it's crazy you, you, know, you mentioned that because I actually said something to my dad about this over the week. I said, you know, this isn't New York or L.A. or Miami. We're like – Listen, Taylor Swift would draw attention anywhere she was. But, like, there are celebrities walk down the street all the time in New York City. People don't even blink. It's like, oh, yeah, there's so-and-so, right? And you just keep moving. Same thing in L.A. Same thing in, in cities like the Miami, Chicago. Can you imagine being in Kansas City and you're walking around, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey drive by in a convertible? And it's just like, what happened? And, you know, Mahomes drives by. I mean, it's it's just, you know, I, I've been to Kansas City many times. I love going there. The people are great. The city's it's an underrated spot. But it's funny because... It's not a city that historically you would have A-list celebrities just jet-setting around to get into. You know, my, I'm going to take my daughter to a game because she's a, a Chiefs fan. We're going to go out there in a couple of weeks. We're going to see him play Denver on Thursday Night Football. And that that's going to be like a happening at this point beyond just, oh, it's a football game. Which, by the way, I think I'm going to end up being hitting the wallet for the fact now it's a happening and more than just a game. But nobody's going there to watch Russell Wilson in Denver, right? Like, it's all about... Hey, look at Kelsey. Look at Mahomes. Is Taylor Swift in a box tonight? Where is she? What's going on? I mean, it's my daughter loves Taylor Swift. And so worlds have collided. And she's like, if Taylor's there, we have to find her. I'm like, yeah, okay, good luck with that. You know, I'll do the best I can, sweetie. But it's no, it's incredible. I mean, that was 
in a 4 o'clock window where not much else was expected to go on, although the Cardinals ended up upsetting Dallas. That was the dominant headline throughout the entirety of the 4 o'clock window. So that's where we are now in the NFL. Yeah, uh, and, and it's funny because I had no clue that there was hints that she'll be at the game. And I saw videos where like there, there was like parties like, hey, let's see if Taylor Swift arrives. And they were just like, there she is. And they, they, they kind of go wild like they just saw the, the winning goal in the World Cup and it's worldwide uh, hysteria there. So I had no clue. I was kind of you know, like, I guess, you know, went for me with the pop culture. Maybe I'm a little ahead of you with that, Matt. But I, even, I, even I was kind of like, hey, there she is. But apparently everybody knew besides me. You know, it's funny. I swear to God, I actually had a buddy of mine text me at like 11 in the morning and he was like, Taylor Swift's going to be at the game today. And I had this brief moment of like, should I tweet this out as a report? And then I looked at Twitter and Rich Eisen was like announcing it to the world. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to because if he's wrong, if they're wrong, then like everybody's getting crushed today. And if I'm right, like I didn't break it anyway because Rich got to it. But my buddy texted me a couple days ago, and he's like, I gave it to you. You should have had it. I was like, I, it was already out there, and I wasn't going to risk my entire reputation on whether or not she showed up to a Chiefs game. But uh, he was right. Kudos to him. And, uh, yeah, and we got plenty of camera time for T-Swift. All right, speaking of the game that T-Swift may be at uh, this upcoming week, the Chiefs and the Jets. We're going to move away from the Chiefs. Look, the Chiefs did their job. They, they crushed Chiccago, 41-10. They look great, so on and so forth. No shock there. The Jets, on the other hand, they lose 15-10, to 10, okay? They lose to the Pats. They were at home. They're 1-2 now. They play the Chiefs this week before getting a, a trip to Denver, which who knows what will happen there. And then they play Philly. So not a great three weeks upcoming. The Jets have been resolute, or Robert Sala, I should say, has been resolute. They're sticking with Zach Wilson. He gives them the best chance to win now. Should be noted, they signed Trevor Simeon to the practice squad. Obviously, could be elevated at any point to the active roster. As we know, I hear Wednesday early afternoon, uh, it is that Simeon is not the starter. It's Zach Wilson. A, do you think that changes by Sunday? B, do you think it should? I don't think it will change by Sunday. That's a very quick turnaround to you know get incorporated with the offense and 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 just learn things about being on a new team. So. But I could see, you know, eventually happening kind of like Mike White a year ago. And and the thing that, that's, that's, that's tough here, you know, for the all the Jets players, like a year ago, they had to do some kind of like behind the scenes. Like, hey, like, we got to pull this guy. Like, he's not doing well, uh, that being Zach Wilson. And they brought in Mike White. And, and it's tough for everybody. You don't want to turn in a guy and be like, hey, you know what? We're not feeling well. Like, we're not clicking here. But we got to go a different way. Hopefully, you understand. So, it's awkward. They're going to go through it again. So, it's up to Robert Sala to make a, cho- a decision. Like, like, enough is enough. After you saw... You know, yeah, they won that first game and it bought you some wiggle room to make an actual legit decision there, but he was bad in that first game. And then the last two, you've lost and he got he's gotten worse. You know, and, and he spends the entire week, I'm sure, hearing from teammates, hey, just don't turn up don't, don't turn the ball over. Just kind of just play safe and give us a chance to, to to extend drives and make plays. And now he's out there playing scared. Now he's overthinking. So when you lose your confidence, when you, when you're playing slow out there, it's just a bad recipe. So I do expect Trevor Simeon to eventually take over as a starter. But Matt, just saying that Trevor Simeon taking over as a starter is not a good thing for the Jets there. So I get there's not a lot of options out there, but like we gotta you gotta try harder if you're if you're the GM Douglas there. And at some point it's like, are you just refusing to take the L on Zach Wilson? You wanna get more opportunities because you know that was your number two pick, that was your baby. 
or maybe it's on Robert Sala being this guy who really believes in his players. And I'm not gonna go away from you after one one or two bad games. Like you did it last year, do it again. I don't I don't understand what's going on with here. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I fully am on board with what you're saying, and. So Trevor Simeon has been in the league. Okay, he broke in in 2015. He was a legitimate starter. He started 14 games for Denver in 2016. Then in 2017, he started 10 games. Like over that stretch, in those two years that I just referenced, he completed just over 59% of his throws with 30 touchdowns and 24 picks. Not feeling great about it. Like, And since then, he started a grand total of six games. So since 2018... The last five full seasons and now the beginning of this one, he started six games. And would you like to take a stab at his record in those six games? Uh, is it one and five? No, it is not. It is 0-6. So uh, <laughs> he has not been the answer, everybody. He has not been. He started on the 2021 Saints, who actually had some talent, and he went 0-4. He had 11 touchdowns and three picks, but he completed 57% of his throws. Last year with the Bears – Started one game, played in two, which was awful. Like, here's what I think is going to happen. And this is just based off of knowing that area and knowing the way that team operates. I think Zach Wilson is going to start on Sunday. And I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to actually physically put him through hell. I think that game is going to be Spagnuolo throwing about 900 different looks at him. Blitzes, dropping eight. All kinds of things. And you don't have the blitz to get home against the Jets because their offensive line is one of the worst in the league. The Chiefs this year have given up 33 points on defense against Trevor Lawrence and Jared Goff and then, of course, the Bears team that's hideous. I do not think the Jets are going to move the ball a ton in this game. I think that's a fair statement. I think what's going to happen is after about three or four drives of Zach Wilson getting booed off the field, we might see a, a change of quarterback. Whether or not that is Simeon or that's Tim Boyle who's been the backup to this point, I don't know. I just think at some juncture you get to where Robert Sala is going to be forced to make a move. Whether or not he wants to is irrelevant. He's going to be forced to. And people who say, well, the fans don't dictate that. You're right. But when you have players who are visibly frustrated during the game as they were last week, when you go through a week where Joe Namath, who is the most famous Jet to ever put on pads, is saying he's got to go. And by the way, we might have to fire the coach and the GM. Like, that starts putting an enormous amount of pressure, not only on you, but on your owner, who at some point is going to be like, hey, Robert, it's time, man. Like We can't do this anymore. We're getting killed on the back page. We're getting killed in talk radio. Coaches may not care about that stuff. Owners do. And I think you're getting to a juncture where if they're down 14 nothing midway through the second quarter and Wilson is, you know, whatever, 3 of 7 for 14 yards – I think you have to yank him, even if it means nothing in terms of winning the game. Even if Simeon comes in or Boyle comes in and is every bit as bad, you have to show you're trying. You have to show you're making some kind of an effort to win the football game. Because let's be real, barring an act of God, the Jets are not beating the Chiefs with Zach Wilson. It is not going to happen. Okay, That might be the biggest discrepancy in talent in NFL history at the quarterback position in one game. Patrick Mahomes is not losing to Zach Wilson. And he's not going to, he's in all likelihood, not losing to Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon, whoever else the Jets would want to throw out there. But at least you're showing that you're trying by putting somebody else out there. By trying Zach Wilson out there to go 10 of 23 for 100 yards and two picks, that, that's like taking a white flag and just jamming it into the, into the field at the 50-yard line. And I, I think at some point here, Salah is going to be forced, like it or not, to make a move. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Like at some point when you're maybe you're down 14-0 after two or three minutes, and you got to treat it like a preseason game. You know what? Okay, it's going to be a loss here. You're not going to have a chance here. You're at home. Who cares? You're not going to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs with Zach Wilson. So try something new. Bring in Tim Boyle. I, 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 I can't even say that seriously. Tim, Tim Boyle. Boyle. Bring him in. Bring, bring him in. Bring him and, in. Just, and just see what he have there. It's a preseason game at that point. Or then Trevor Simeon. I know it, it sucks for him to, to, to come in on short notice and, and figure it out. But again, preseason, just kind of do your thing. Get people yep. uh, in line chemistry-wise. So... I think that's fine, and it's just awkward all around, Matt. When the the greatest player in franchise history, Joe Namath, is saying, "I've seen enough. Get him out of here. This guy is terrible." Like th- that's just that just that, that. I'm sure Zach Wilson is aware of that. People hear about that. People get asked about that, especially in New York. And I don't know if you saw that video, Matt, but Garrett Wilson was in the middle of an interview, and somebody broke the news saying, "Hey, uh, you just got Trevor Simeon. Can I get your thoughts?" And at that point, like you know, he kind of probably in his head thinking, okay, finally something different. But at the same time, it's kind of like it is Trevor Simeon. I can't get too excited. And he no. just, to his credit, he played it safe and said, you know what, I'm, I'm cool with whatever uh, player they bring in for the for the organization. Uh, I support all my guys. So, but he know he's frustrated inside. It, dude, it's it at some point like and and you know I put on our rundown here for the show like is it Carson Wentz? Is it Matt Ryan? And my answer to that is look, there's a reason Carson Wentz is still out there, right? And there's a reason. Let's be real. The Colts and the Eagles both in consecutive seasons were like, you know what? Get out. We'll eat so much dead money, it's unfathomable. Just get out. Get out of our building. Right? Washington gave up a real pick for him. Saw him for, what, half a season? Like, you know what? Taylor Heineke, we're good. Bring in Taylor Heineke. And then didn't resign him and let him go to be a backup with the Falcons. So you have three teams now in three consecutive years where like, get out. Just, we're done. We're done. Get out of the building. Matt Ryan... Great career. He's done. It's over. Like he's not bringing in Matt Ryan to play behind that offensive line should be a federal crime. All right? There is there is no world that that's going to succeed. Sometimes, you know, in life, you need to just accept reality for whatever it is. The reality for the Jets is their season's over. No matter who's playing quarterback for them, they're they're cooked. Now, I do think you have to move off of Zach Wilson here at some juncture because you're just going to lose the room otherwise. But. Bringing in Trevor Simeon, putting in Tim Boyle, bringing in Carson Wentz. You're not going to the playoffs. I don't care. I don't care. Like Carson Wentz, yeah, sure. He'll throw 20 touchdowns. He'll also throw 15 picks. And he'll infuriate everybody in the room by like week 12. Like you're not, you're not going to win enough games. Your season was built around the idea that Aaron Rodgers was going to come in and elevate what was a strong group. And yes, defensively, it is a very good team. Offensively speaking, it's Garrett Wilson and what exactly? I mean, Brees Hall is a very good player at times. First of all, in week one, he was unbelievable. The last two weeks, he's done nothing. And by the way, I don't put that on Brees Hall. I put that on the fact you can't block. You can't run block. can't pass block. Now Dwayne Brown's on IR. It's a sieve. You know what Chris Jones is going to do in this game? I mean, Chris Jones is going to basically be taking handoffs in this game. It's it's untenable. And that's on Joe Douglas for not fixing that offensive line or doing much to, to try to address it. So... It is what it is. I just think no matter who they put back there, whether it's Wilson, it's Simeon, it's Boyle, you know, name your random quarterback. I, I think I think they're they're done. And I guess my last question to you on this is: Do you think this season could cost Salah his job, or do you say, well, you know what, he's going to get a pass here because Rogers blows Achilles out four plays into the season? Yeah, you know, I think it might be a pair, you know, with Douglas as well, the GM. I mean, you know, he's done some good things with the draft. I I, I get that. But, like, the, the, the more you're making your points, man, the more I think about, like, okay, if they had Aaron Rodgers healthy, like, yeah, they're probably a playoff team, but it doesn't feel like they would have been a contender. Just kind of seeing everything now. 
And then without him, the 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 the, the glaring need of an offensive line is like you, you didn't do anything to, to fix that in the offseason. Instead, you're throwing money at Dalvin Cook, who could could barely break tackles anymore. There's a reason why the Dolphins drew a line in the sand. Hey, you're not the same dude anymore. That's why the Vikings released him. But you went all in because you were desperate to make some noise. And and, and let's face it, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the best GM, you know, over his years with the Packers. Like he kind of tends for for star players and a little over the hill. And, and and Douglas has done a good job getting young guys, but yeah. they, they really overlooked that offensive line. And Matt, they really got, you know, I, I, I'm going to say killed because they that that swap for the for the trade from the Packers and and the Jets, they missed out on a, on a left tackle. I, I haven't even been paying attention what what the, the left tackle for the Steelers has done, but little things like that, like you go for for uh, for a defensive end instead of an offensive lineman. You know, you don't. There is no like. How do you go into Dwayne Brown and Mackay Beckton as your your tackles? Like, if if Aaron Rodgers was healthy, he was going to been probably taking a lot of hits, asking a thirty nine year old to move around the pocket to do what he used to do for for many years. So that was already kind of a bad issue. So I think for as much as we want to, you know, say, hey, Robert Sala, do something, step up. You got to help out your team, and, and maybe your job's on the line. I think the same thing with the GM Douglas. I get it. He had he's had some very memorable draft classes, but a lot of big misses. Yeah, and I think sometimes. You know, it's just awkward to have, you know, you the GM fires a coach and you kind of bring in a new person. You, 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 like, the, like the Chiefs, they like they like to kind of pair everything. Good teams pair their GM and their coaches. So I think for me, you, you kind of have to clean house. But then again, you're kind of essentially saying, all right, if Rodgers is ready next year, we're, we're kind of going to try to get with somebody else. And if you're the new GM, the new coach, you're probably thinking, like, do you want to go and risk all our, our entire season on a 40-year-old now? So it's a very tricky thing all around. So I think they might be safe. But you're probably thinking about it if you're the, the Jets owner. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think that it's, it's probably probably safe. You know, it's hard to fire a guy based off of a year where it, it went to hell immediately, right? I mean, it's it's really, it's really, really, really difficult to sit there and say, yeah, Robert Sala should lose his job based off this year. I mean, I don't know who's winning with Zach Wilson in that offensive line. If anything, I, I would put it more on Joe Douglas. Now, the way I think he could lose his job, Saga, that is, is if he just continues to trot Wilson out there for 10, 11, 12 games. Because then, then you lose the, the room. Then the room, I mean, look, you've been in locker rooms just like I have. That becomes where you got guys in corners going, yeah, we're not trying to win games. We're not serious. I don't believe in this guy. That's when you lose a room. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, we start to look at a bigger story, okay? Uh, the Dolphins' offense or the Broncos' defense, and, of course, the Dolphins had over 700 yards of offense and scored 10 touchdowns in a 70-20 to shellacking of Denver down in South Beach uh, this past weekend. The Dolphins were the first team since 1966 to score 70 points, the record in the game, 73 points, when the Bears beat the uh, then-Washington, uh, I'll just say Washington, uh, 1940 in the NFC title game, 173 to nothing. The Dolphins could have at least tied the record, decided to just kneel down in the game. But all, all in all, an incredible outing by Miami. And while I want to ask what the bigger story is, the Miami offense or the, or the Denver defense, in keeping ties with losing a room, let's start with Denver. Denver has a coach who comes in, mocks the, 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 the former coach, Nathaniel Hackett, basically says, hey, look, it's his fault. They stunk because of him. Your team just gave up 70 points. Um, do you think that he's already lost the room in Denver? Is this salvageable, or is this something that maybe is already off the rails in an irretrievable fashion? You know, he just got there. So, it, you know, I guess a 50-point beatdown will probably test you and say, hey, do we believe in this guy? I think his resume being a, a Super Bowl winning head coach, uh, you know, buys him some time, but it's just a bad look. But the more, the, the way I see it more, Matt, it's like, you know, this guy was talking a lot of, you know, I, I, can I say crap? Yeah, crap. There you go. Uh, about Nathaniel Hackett and the different coaching staff, things you don't normally hear a coach, a coach say about another coach. And he pretty much just said, all right, man, we're going to be so much better than whatever the heck they had last year. We're going to raise the bar here. Russell Wilson, man, you know, he, he had a bad thing going on there. And then after that, like, okay, anything bad that you do, if you're, if you're sloppy out there, if the offense can't get going, then that's going to look bad on you for calling out a different coach. And then you go and lose by 50 points. You allow 70 points. You allow over 700 total yards. Like you mentioned, 10 touchdowns. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett never did that. So now you're probably asking yourself, you're in that locker room, to, to, your, to your question here, man. It's like, man, like we we were never embarrassed that bad. Like this guy might be worse. And last year was awful. Maybe we shouldn't believe in this guy. So I don't know if, if players are doing that just yet. So it's September. So uh, and again, his resume does help. But this really like was it was it was a Garrett Bowles the one that said, man, I've been here seven years. I'm tired of losing. We stink. I'm fed up. So guys yeah. like that. And, and it makes me it makes me wonder too. Like I get Sean Payton is very competitive. In in in, in, in if you're a head coach, you got to be confident in yourself. And he and he won that Super Bowl a long time ago. You know, it, so he's gonna hold it. You know, hold on to that one. But he, they spent money in free agency. I get it. You want to spend money in the offensive line. Mike McGlinchey, Ben Powers, you go get Zach Allen on, on defense. And I'm like, when you spend money like that, that, that tells me you believe in this roster. You believe in making it work with Russell Wilson. And, and at some point, maybe it should have been like, okay, we should look for the future. We'll play hard this year. We're not going to tie in a bunch of a cat space already on a, when you're already tied up with Russell Wilson's contract. So that that was kind of a misfire there. Like this roster, the one thing we learned Nathaniel Hackett had a terrible roster a year ago, and so does Sean Payton this time. So Sean Payton definitely has a lot of time to get get things going. They trade a first-round pick for this guy. <laughs> you know, I just remember that, so that, that's not a good look either. So I think at some point you got to look yourself in the mirror, and if you're Sean Payton or if you're George Patton, say, all right, it's time to rebuild here. 
he might as well be sellers at the trade deadline. And everybody but maybe Patrick Sertan, uh, you're staying. Everybody else, you could leave. We'll trade you, Jerry Judy, guys like that. And it makes me question, like, you don't have a lot of talent, actually, now that I think about it. Like, this roster's been very misleading. Hey, Corlin Sutton, you could, you're doing something. Go get traded. Guys like that. So besides Sertan, uh, I think it's time to be a seller at the market. I couldn't agree more. And look, I don't want to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy for about 30 seconds. I've been screaming from the hilltops since like February. They're not that talented, especially on defense. Sertan is awesome. Simmons is a very, very good safety. Who else is the guy who you're like, that guy's a perennial pro ball type player? Who is it? It's not Randy Gregory who got paid $70 million and came into Denver with, I believe, 15 and a half career sacks. It's, it's not, at this point in his career, Frank Clark, who's a good player, but not a guy who you're going to go out and say, oh, he's great. And unfortunately, he's been hurt. And even before he got hurt, he was very rotational for them. Bradley Chubb is gone. Von Miller is long gone. Who are the guys? Who are the guys on this team? That, like Kareem Jackson? Like Who are the guys on this team that you're like, that guy's a problem? If you're an offensive coordinator... Okay, you're circling Sertan, and you're circling Justin Simmons, and not one other guy in this team. There's nobody on this defense. The offense has some talent with Sutton and Judy and Javante Williams. Sure, I'm here all day for that. Defensively, I have been baffled by this for six months. Who are the guys? And I thought Ejiro Ivaro, who now is a D coordinator in Carolina, did a hell of a job with that team last year. He did a great job. And I also add... It's different defensively. When you're on a team that can't score a point on offense, as frustrating as it is, you're going to have better defensive rankings because teams playing you are not going to ever try to take a chance. They're not going to push the ball down the field. If you're playing the 2022 Denver Broncos last year, you're playing conservatively. You're playing the field position game. You're not going to throw some ball that might get picked off for what? Punt the ball, you're going to get it back in three plays anyway with a fresh set of downs, right? So when you're playing on a team that can actually score a few points, and this offense has scored a few, it hasn't been great for Denver, but it's been okay, then your defense is going to get tested more. And Vance Joseph, I think, is a good coach and a good man. But look, when you come over and you're playing single high safety with a lot of blitzes in the AFC, you're going to get lit up at times. You're just going to. And I went back and watched the All-22. I put out a piece on, on Wednesday here at Sports Illustrated where I went back and looked at three plays from the week. And one of them was the first touchdown from the game with Tyreek Hill. It was a two-man route. Tyreek Hill's wide open. Denver dropped seven guys. Like, it's a, it's a disaster. But I'm with you, man. Look, they have some talent that they could trade coming up here. I mean, Jerry Judy's a guy. Absolutely. Like, I'm moving him. Period. End of discussion. I'm moving him. Javante Williams, like I'm open to the idea. You need draft picks. You need somebody to come in. Problem is, after that, you know, Josie Jewell, linebacker, is a pretty good player. Like you could probably get a pick for him. I don't know if it'd be worth trading him, but you probably get a pick. After that, unless you start getting into the hey, we'll trade Patrick Sertan or Justin Simmons, there's nobody there. And and to meet Sertan, you're not trading unless you get an offer that is just overwhelming, right? I mean, you're talking like two first plus something like that. I don't know that Peyton can recover this specific group because when you give up 70 points, where do you go from there? How do you convince those guys that you're worth following? How do you convince those guys, hey, look, I'm still in control and we still have a plan to win? If you're Vance Joseph, how do you look at your defensive room and go, yeah, look, we're good? We're good. And I got to tell you, I went back and, like I said, I watched that tape. 
there were a lot of guys on that team that, frankly, the effort was not there. It was it was business decision you toward the end of that game. It was just like, hey, I'm not going to make that tackle. I'm not really going to make an effort to make that play. The first touchdown that I'm talking about, bro, there was a there was a play or part of that play of Kareem Jackson. You watch all 22. I mean, you're getting a pretty wide shot of that field. You pretty much see the whole field. Kareem Jackson is not in the screen. He's not on the screen. It's all 22. The man disappeared. Like, it, it is It is horrible football. We're going to get in the Broncos-Bears in a little bit because I guess we're all just here for some pain and torture. But let's talk Miami. 70 points. Okay, first two weeks of the year, they averaged 30, scored 36-24. Then they scored 70. Okay, win by 50 over Denver without Jalen Waddell, I might add. Is this an offense that you expect? Look, I'm not saying that they're going to continue to score 70 a game. Nobody thinks that. Are they going to come back to the pack here somewhat? Or do we think we're looking at an offense that might be somewhat historic? Yeah, you know, it's tough to to, to, to call anything historic. And, and, and you know, I, I last week I thought the, the Cowboys defense was special. And here we are, you know, they lost to the Cardinals. But, you know, yeah, especially franchise records, don't, don't break that. And, you know, and, and the reason why, you know what, I will give you kind of a safe answer. I think it could be historic because I think Mike McDaniel and Frank Smith finally got the, 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 the part where, like, they could run the football at, at, at will whenever they want because this offense a year ago was like, all right, let's get too comfortable. Let's, let's build off a of Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill and just take a bunch of shots downfield in a very creative way. Obviously, they're going to keep doing it, but you got to be creative. They got that down. Now when you got A Chain and Raheem Mostert, like 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 what what year is Raheem Mostert in in the, in the league? Like it's been like seven or eight. Usually they kind of taper down around this point here. And he's been he has had a bunch of injuries. Like pretty much they just said, you know, we're gonna build a team of track stars. We're gonna we're gonna just do a bunch of motions, creativity, spread it out. We're gonna beat you in two ways. And they've they figured that out now because we kind of just forgotten that Mike McDaniel he was the brains behind the, the Kyle Shanahan running scheme. He was the one that was laying the foundation. He was the one doing all that work with Kyle Shanahan. And we all expected a similar offense. Okay, run first because you have two. He can't throw the ball down the field. And he said, F that. We got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So as a coach, that was pretty impressive to, to, to build a scheme that suits your guys in Miami. And now what you're good at, the expertise, the running the football, they got that going. And that could be pretty scary. So I will go that way. It could be a, a, an offense that breaks a lot of records. And Matt, watching that beat down to the Broncos, I, I'm still stunned that I saw 70 points. I, I stopped watching after a while. I got other things to worry about. Let me watch that game and that game. And I, I hear uh, Scott Hansen from Red, Red Zone saying, they just dropped 70. I'm like, what? Like, I gotta, yeah. <laughs> it's like a double take, like 70 points here. So that was very impressive all around. And the thing I, I came away, Matt, was like, I am so excited for this Bills game because the Bills oh. have a good offense, a good defense. But I'm like, when you're playing Miami, if you don't have at least a, a, a lot of firepower in offense like the Chargers did in week one or very stout defense like the Patriots in week two, it, just leave. Don't even go to the game because the Broncos had neither offense or defense, and you saw what happened. So you better have one of those things in the top 10 or top five of, of the NFL. 100%. 100%. And I, look, this is going to be a great game. We're going to get into it here in a minute. Um, Dolphins going to Orchard Park. You know what's amazing? The Broncos lost by 50 points, and they're favored on the road this week. And the Dolphins won by 50 points and scored 70, and they're underdogs. <laughs> Just going, the NFL's a weird place, man. I I think everybody at this point, though, listen, you got to own if you're wrong. Like I, I thought Tua after his first year, I was like, yeah, I didn't think he was terrible. I just thought he was kind of a guy. Tua's been awesome. I mean, Tua has been 
at some point, I think people have to just say, you know, real is real, man. He's played great. Like, he deserves his flowers. He's been awesome. Um, he doesn't have the arm strength of of an Allen or a, a Mahomes. Or he doesn't. He doesn't scramble around like Lamar. But he's damn accurate with the football, and he's smart. And I got to tell you, he's he's winning games. The the kid wins. Like, give him credit. Yeah, sure, he's got a lot of talent around him. So, do, so does Mahomes. So does Allen. So does Burrow. So does Jalen Hurts. Like, great quarterbacks are going to have talent around them. I was watching that Chargers-Vikings game, which which was just an absolute catastrophe of a coaching uh, matchup. But, man, I was looking at the – whenever I'm watching the games, I always have my computer open next to me. And, you know, I'm obviously writing my column during the games. But also – I have ESPN.com open. I'm just kind of keeping tabs on like where teams are, what the score is, time of the game, stuff like that. And man, kind of like you, I was looking at the scores, and all of a sudden, like it's 35 at half. I'm like, wow, all right, Miami, I put it on. And then I'm looking, it's like 49. I swear to God, I must have turned for 10 seconds. I look back, 56. It's like, and it was in the middle of the third quarter. And then it dawned on me, I'm like, they might, they might break the all-time record for points, man. Like, they're really going for it. And then I look back a couple minutes later, and it was 70. With like nine minutes to go in the game, like oh my god, Denver's going to give up eighty points in this game, and uh, they they held them off and limited Miami to seventy. So congratulations to the uh, Broncos for that. But man, man, oh man, the Dolphins look for real. Only undefeated team in the AFC, one of three undefeated teams, along with the Niners and the Eagles. Um, and uh, now we, we move on. We move into. Our five best games of the week. You already know we do this every week. SI Sportsbook giving us the odds best place to lay your bets. So week four is here. I mentioned it right at the top. Uh, We're kicking it off on Thursday night football with the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, both atop the NFC North with 2-1 and one records. The Packers coming back from a 17-0 deficit in the fourth quarter to beat the Saints in their home opener. Jordan Love doing a nice job. And, of course, Jared Goff and company handled the Falcons last week. Got the two and one. The Lions on the road, laying a point and a half. Uh, so the odds makers are giving respect to uh, Motown. Do you like Detroit to go in and win this game? Yeah, I do. It's a, it's a tough game. You know, I wanted to go with the Packers. The Packers are at home. You know, I I've been very impressed with Jordan Love, and and the the reason why I'm so impressed, you know, this guy has proven, you know, that that he's a guy in various ways. Like you're, you're shorthanded, so you got to make it work with the guys that you have. Like you had no Christian Watson. No Aaron Jones. You're losing two of your top linemen. Uh, and this past week for the defense, they had no Jair Alexander. But just seeing the rookie Jaden Reed make plays, making it work with uh, Romeo Dobbs, who you know seems to kind of find himself in the second year. So when you make it work with what you have and you always have a chance, that's a good sign of a good quarterback there. And now they, they lost that 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 that, that uh, lead in, in, in Atlanta. They lost a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter. That hurt, but you had a shorthanded team and you fought. And then you come back the next week, and you're down 17-0. Again, the same thing. You're missing a lot of guys. And you and you, and you you get a rally. You complete it. You win. That gives you good confidence. So all those things, are he's checking the box. But the Lions are very good, too. And Jerry Goff is playing very well. And a week ago, I was pretty confident the Lions are going to beat the Falcons because the Falcons don't have a quarterback to keep up with the Lions. And all they needed, all they needed was 20 points. So that tells you they're, they're pretty well defensively, too. That rookie class for the Lions has just been balling out, doing well. I was wrong about that. I'll keep saying it. Sam Laporta just doing his thing down the field. Uh, Jack Campbell, I think, had a sack a week ago. So short turnaround. I think Christian Watson will probably play this week. That should help out Jordan Love. But still very banged up here. I like the Lions. Lions have been impressive. They're a rugged team. They could, they could score points. And they're a little better defensively this year, too. 
You know, I, I love the Lions overall. I, I picked them to win the FC North. I, I'm standing by that. I have no reason not to. But I'm going to take the Packers in this game. I, I mm. like them at home. Uh, they're getting Aaron Jones back. Sounds like also Christian Watson, as you mentioned. Um, look, you're right about that Lions rookie class. Like a dope, by the way. I wrote my rookie stock watch. And uh, I wrote Matt Laporta, who's a baseball player. Oh. <laughs> right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm reading it. I was reading it in my car yesterday, like just making sure I didn't make any mistakes. And all of a sudden I'm looking at it I'm like, that doesn't look right. And I had to get a hold of uh, our editor. And I'm like, listen, John, I'm I'm an idiot. Um, Sam Laporta. So does he play for the A's? Is that is that what it is? He I, doesn't. I, he actually okay. doesn't. I just, it was in my head, and I just wrote Matt Laporta. I'm like, oh, oh no, that's that's not that. You know, hey, listen, it's SI's fault for hiring me. Um, yeah. So uh, we got it fixed. Anyway, listen, Sam Sam Laporta, not Matt. Sam Laporta has been great. Um, and then, yeah, Jameer Gibbs has looked really good. And, of course, last year's first-round pick for them, second overall, Aiden Hutchinson's been awesome. And so the Lions have all this young talent, and Jamison Williams hasn't even gotten on the field yet. He's still serving that six-game suspension. So right now, if you're Detroit, you feel great. It's just one of those games, you know, I feel like up in Lambeau, Jordan Love has played very well, um, kept his poise, came back against an excellent Saints defense. I like that they're getting a little healthier. I like that they have a lot of, you know, also, by the way, a team with a lot of young weapons. You know, with Jaden Reed, who's played really well for him, uh, Christian Watson in his second year, Luke Musgrave, right? So, you know, the tight end, the Tucker Craft. So, this is a team that really also has a lot of youth and a lot of and a lot of young weaponry. I think it's an excellent game. You know, you know what the Packers and Joe Barry, they're going to play a lot of off coverage, which I don't like. I think this game comes down to the red zone for Detroit. If Detroit can punish Green Bay in the red zone and go, you know, three of three or three of four, something like that, I think they win. If the Packers can bow up, maybe Alexander makes a play, Kenny Clark makes a play, you know, what have you, I'll take Green Bay in a close game, you know, 23 to 21, something like that. I think it goes either way. I'll take the home side um, as, as we open up with week four. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's go to the Sunday slate. Uh, the Bengals are at the Titans. And I put this game on here because, yeah, I do think it is one of the five best games. But the Titans are one and two. They have looked awful offensively in two of the three weeks. Absolutely hideous. Now, the Browns also look like the 85 Bears. So we can factor that in. But 
The Titans did nothing against Cleveland all day. They did very little against the Saints. Tannehill in week one threw three picks in that game. They, then they played the Chargers week two, and everybody got right because it was the Chargers defense. Um, you come into this game, the Bengals defense, first two weeks, gave up a ton of rushing yards. One of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. They corrected themselves against the Rams, gave up 16 points, but really gave up like nine in the garbage time touchdown. Um, do you like, even with clearly a not 100% Joe Burrow, do you like the Bengals on the road? They're laying one and a half in Nashville. Or do you think Tennessee runs the ball? They exploit what Baltimore and Cleveland exploited and they find a way to win this game. Yeah. You know, besides that Chargers game, these Titans have been very terrible. So I, I do, I do like Cincinnati to, to pull one out. And it's kind of like that Rams game. We're like, okay, man, you're not, you're not right, but you need a win here. And, and the Rams are, are not obviously in the class of the Bengals, you know, one leg Joe Burrow was enough, but like, you know, I really like that defense, and they're all underrated every single year. You, you still got Trey Hendrickson doing his thing, uh, Sam Hubbard doing his thing. So, and, and I know they lost some guys in second there, but they're still doing well. This, this defense here. So, when you're playing Ryan Tannehill, and, and I know you know you still have Derrick Henry, but they had less than 100 yards. I know the Browns are a good defense, but you got to get at least 100 yards in a game, though. So, so you should, yes. I, I say the say the Bengals do what they do, and they hold the Titans to what like. 13, 14 points. I could definitely see that. If you're Joe Burrow and you're hobbled, man, all you need is get get 20 points. You know, throw a couple of bombs if you can, because that is a good defensive front for the Titans. I'll give them the, the Titans have a very good defensive front, so that could maybe hurt Joe Burrow because Aaron Donald and a bunch of young guys were getting pressure on Joe Burrow. But credit to Joe Burrow on Monday, like the Raheem Morris kept baiting him. Hey, take your deep shots. Go get away from the pocket. You know, test that leg. Go. You know. You know, do your thing because if, if you go, if you go deep shot, uh, we got a bunch of guys here with, with the roof on the coverage here. So uh, he was patient, Joe Burrow, little kind of dinking and dunking. He didn't get too frustrated at times. And by the third quarter, they opened up the game. So I can see something similar here for this Tennessee game. If, if it was somebody else, they have more firepower offensively. Uh, then you know, I probably would have gone the other way because Beng- because the Bengals don't look right. Uh, I was the one that got the the short end of the stick for the Monday Night Doubleheader this this, this time around, Matt, because that was an awful game to watch here. But I think the uh, the Bengals do enough, and then suddenly they're two and two. But they're kind of uh, if they do win, it, they won't feel like the two and two of last year. I think because they they do have some a lot of problems. But I think they'll get to five hundred this week. Well, I would like to point out that well, yes, you you did get uh, somewhat short into the sticks. That game was terrible. Uh, Bucks Eagles wasn't exactly an instant <laughs> classic on my end. Okay, I was researching for the entire second half the Bucks first down offense throughout the year. And I kept coming back. You ever do like a like a math problem or where you're like you keep getting two different answers every time you go back through it? Yeah. yeah. I filed like a half hour late, and I was apologizing to our night editor. I'm like, look, man, I can't figure out what the hell is going on. And what I finally realized was one of the plays was nullified because they were like offsetting fouls, and so it was screwing up all the averages. Uh, I was not pleased. Um, uh, the, the, by the way, the moral of that story is the Buccaneers need to stop running the damn ball on first down. My God, the team is atrocious running the ball on first down. Um, but hopefully you already knew that because maybe you read the article on Monday night. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, I, I'm to a point here where I look at the Titans and I say, if Derrick Henry doesn't beat you, they're just not going to beat you. And I think Lou Anarumo is a damn good defensive coordinator and knows that, hey, we probably ought to clamp down on Derrick Henry here and not worry that much about the rest of the Titans' offense. Everybody was excited about DeAndre Hopkins. What could he bring? What could he do? And where is this offense going to go? Well, so far, this offense stinks. Uh, they can't move the ball. And Tannehill is looking borderline washed up. Um, he, As you mentioned, I mean, they didn't have 100 yards of offense. That's impossible. 
Tannehill's already thrown three picks all in week one, but you'll get that box score against the Browns. I mean, that's a full-blown horror show. Okay, there's no other way to put it. The Titans had 94 yards. They had six first downs. They had the ball for only 21 minutes and 31 seconds. They took eight penalties for 80 yards. And oh, by the way, on third down, they went two of 12. They averaged 2.1 yards per play. Okay, Tannehill was sacked five times in the game, and the Titans ran 15 times for 26 yards. Now, the Browns have been amazing defensively. I don't think the Bengals are quite going to hold the Titans down like that, especially after a game like that. You would think that the offense comes out with a little bit of you know uh, vim and vigor, if you will. But I think the Bengals find a way to win the game. I don't think it's pretty. It's probably ugly. You know, the Titans, you know defensively they're going to come with it, especially with that front. Um, but I, I think it's something like, you know, 23 to... You know, 16, and it's kind of ugly, and, and it is what it is. But, yeah, I'm with you. Bengals, uh, I think we both feel, are going to get to 2-2 two and two this week. All right, let's get to the best game of the, of the week. The Dolphins at the Bills. We obviously spent a lot of time talking about the Dolphins earlier. They're at Orchard Park. The Bills are laying 2.5. They are the home favorites, of course, 2-1, and one, coming off of two blowout wins over the Raiders and the Commanders. Do you think the Bills win again? Do you think they slow down Miami, slow down the side frame? Ironically, last year, Miami was the team that in week three played a Bills team that everybody felt like was the best in the world, and then the Dolphins went out and beat them. Do the Bills return the favor, or do the Dolphins get a very, very key divisional win? Yeah, I think the Bills could you know, somewhat slow them down, but I don't think it, it will be enough. And and I, I'm very intrigued for, about this game for, for, for different reasons, because like I mentioned – the Bills have, you know, the offense and defense to, you know, go up against this team in, in various ways because the uh, the Chargers didn't have the defense and the Patriots didn't have the offense in the first two weeks. And, you know, the Dolphins, you know, they they, they hung around to the end for that game. Obviously, the Broncos are terrible and that didn't work out. So I want to see, okay, like how good are these Dolphins here? But, Matt, on the flip side, we haven't really seen a, a game where Josh Allen, you know, is not like trying to force a ball. Like, okay, we, we got to keep up and, and score points here. We, we got to keep going. Or hey, they're behind because they, they what they blew out the Raiders, they blew out the Commanders. Like if the if somehow the, these Dolphins you know jump out, maybe they're they're up ten or seven or whatever it is in the second half. Do we see go back to seeing to the frustrated Josh Allen? Okay, I got to make a play. I'm gonna run the football. I'm gonna force it down the field to Stephon Diggs for a couple of interceptions. Like like there's a lot of things that could, can really tell us about this game. Yeah, it's only week four, but after the last two weeks, like you probably you pretty much had a bye week. Uh, the, the Bills here. So after playing after playing the Jets and it was kind of disastrous, they got it done. But now you're playing a really good team that could light you up. And what or what are you going to do, Josh Allen, if things get pretty close? So, you know, for me, I'm not sure I'm ready to buy in on Josh Allen here. So I will go with the Dolphins, score some points, and, and maybe kind of have the game in their hands and, and control the script here. So I am, I am going to take the Bills for one reason. The Dolphins, I picked them to win the ACs before the year started. I'm obviously on board with that pick. This game feels like one of those games everybody and their mother is like, the Dolphins, man, they might be the best team in football history. Look at the offense. Look at what they're doing. They, those things have a tendency to come around and whop you in the face. I mean, just everybody's talking about, oh, this is amazing. And I think the Dolphins deservedly are getting all the praise in the world. I also think that the Bills play them all the time. And the Bills are going to be higher than all get out for this football game. I also think that stadium, that is one of the loudest crowds in football, and they are going to bring it. Because that is – look, the funny thing about this game, it's a much bigger game for Buffalo. They're already back a game in the division. They already lost a game in the division. This is a home game for the Bills. 
and they're one back in Miami. If they lose this game, they're two back of the Dolphins, and they have to play them again in Miami. Best they can do is split at that point, and they could very easily get swept. And at that point, you're not winning the division, I wouldn't think. If Miami loses this game, okay, you're tied, and you're, you're temporarily losing the breaker, but you can break back in your own building. I think for Miami, you lose this game, you're still fine. If you're Buffalo and you lose this game, you're not fine. You're not fine, at least not for the division. So I think there's a far bigger game for Buffalo, and I think that's going to be reflected. Now, would I be shocked if Miami wins? No, absolutely not. Not at all. I think Miami, frankly, is a better football team. But I think that this game, this scenario, the Bills are going to be higher than all get out for this game. I, well, I think the well, I think the Dolphins will also be up for it. Um, I just think it's so important for Buffalo that I, I think that desperation kind of gets them over the finish line. All right, two more to go. We got another divisional contest in the AFC. The Ravens at the Browns. We talked about the Browns' great defense. The defense has been absolutely off the charts here with Jim Schwartz. Uh, coordinating it. The Ravens come into town off of a very surprising loss to drop from the ranks of the unbeaten. They are 2-1. and one. Browns are 2-1. and one. In fact, everybody in that division is 2-1 except for Cincinnati is 1-2. and two. The Browns are 2.5 points favorite in the game. Uh, do you like the Browns at home here against this Baltimore team, or do you think that the Ravens bounce back and they get a road win inside the AFC North? Yeah, you know, I think this is probably one of those games where, like, okay, hey, the Browns may have figured it out because you know they 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 beat up on the tight ends. Or you look at the stat sheet, hey, Deshaun Watson actually went over two hundred something yards, and you watch that game, he wasn't that good. But at least the stats were better. Uh, so I think that that one game is kind of like just keep it to one game. And for me, if I'm gonna bet on somebody, I, I'd rather go with you know John Harbaugh and and Lamar Jackson. And I, they let one get away, and I know they have injuries and they haven't been the same defensively, but. You know, it's going to be fun to see that offense, uh, the, the Ravens against the Browns defense. So, But, I, you know, for me, I'm not ready to kind of say, all right, I, I think the Browns are going to be a special defense. You know, if Deshaun Watson, you do enough, you'll be okay. I, I saw them struggle against the Steelers. You know, the the, the Ravens don't have don't have Kenny Pickett. So uh, I am going to take the dog here. I'm going to go with, with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And, and, and the reason pretty much is, like, I just – I think maybe the last week's game for the Browns was deceiving. And I think they are, they're going to be a clunky offense for the, the whole year. And if you're a special defense, you know, and okay, so you're always going to be in the game. So when, when you're playing a, a, a tough offense like that, it won't be as easy for Miles Garrett to get to Lamar Jackson. I'm sure he probably will a couple of times, but it won't be as like going and get Ryan Tannehill every, every, every play, and it's going to be pretty easy for you. Yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking Baltimore. Listen, I get that the Browns' defense has been great. The Ravens are also a very unique offense to go against because of the different things that they can do. Now, they got to get healthier. That is the one thing in this game that scares the hell out of me. Okay. Like, if they don't have Stanley and Linderbaum up front, that is, that could spell doom in Cleveland. But I trust John Harbaugh and I trust Lamar Jackson way more than I trust Deshaun Watson. Like, I could just see this being one of these games where the Browns were out coached. And if you watch the Browns, look, they, they crushed Cincinnati. Cincinnati has been a mess offensively. They lost to the Steelers largely because their offense couldn't stop getting in its own way. Then they handled the Titans. I'll be the first one to say this. I would not be shocked if I'm wrong in this game and the Browns come out and they win and they win handily. And then, then I think we have to have a different conversation about the Browns. Then it becomes, okay, they're 3-1. and one. They've looked really good. And then we've got to have that, that conversation about where do they rank in the AFC's elite and so on and so forth. And that's fine. But for one more week, I am going to take John Harbaugh and say, I just believe in the Baltimore culture, in their way of playing, in their understanding of, of how to win this type of game. 
I think they come out with a lot of, of energy. And I just, I don't trust Watson in this game. I could just see this being one of these games where he throws three picks and it's, it's just downhill from there. Give me Baltimore in what could be a very hard-hitting, physical, rock'em, sock'em type game. And then lastly, in a game that is decidedly not going to be physical or a rock'em, sock'em type game or a game that anybody should watch, a game that may set back football 500 years. In fact, it's, it's been in the news, maybe even set back past the Roman Empire. Uh, the Broncos are at the Bears in a, in a true clash of the of the uh, the Titans here. The Broncos somehow on the road and laying three and a half points to the Bears. Uh, thoughts on what should be a Titanic struggle and maybe a game that resembles uh, the Titanic is everyone just screaming watching it happen. Yeah, what does that say about the Bears? The, the team that Not just much. lost by 50 points coming to your place and you're still the underdog, so... Uh, yeah, this is definitely probably a game for uh, you know, for the right to get Kayla Williams in in April, because uh, the loser is definitely on track to be having the number one pick here. So, uh, for me, I I guess I'm just gonna take the home team. These are two very bad teams. I think that maybe the Bears have more problems, but they did not lose by 50 points. So, <laughs> and they're at home. So, for for you to shake that off from 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 your from your, from your mind and say. Let's get on the plane now, and we just got beat up. Well, maybe it is the Bears, and it's a lot of emotion. So I keep give me the Bears, and I think at some point, you know, you can't just force, you know, Justin Fields to to be a, a okay, a pass heavy quarterback. Okay, let's develop him that way. Like it's year three. After a while, you know who he is. He's gonna mix it up. He's gonna, he wants to run the football. So if you're if you're owing three and that scheme, whatever you were doing, you know, it's not working. Just let the guy play freely. And if you feel like, okay, that's not the style of quarterback that you want to have for your franchise, figure that out in the offseason. At least let the guy play right now. And then you have the two first-round picks. You have the one from the Panthers. You'll get a Drake May, a Caleb Williams, whatever it is, a lot of quarterbacks. So for right now, maybe the style of, of, of playing free eventually wins games. It hasn't so far, and it's not Justin Fields' entire fault here. But you got to make some changes. I think being at home, playing a very bad Broncos team that can't really score points, I think it's going to be one of those days where at least Fields does something on the ground. He's electric, and I think people quiet down for a day for Chicago. Give me the Bears. You know what? Can I take neither? Can I just, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like the score of this game is going to be like 15-13, everybody's dignity zero. I, I'm i going to take Denver just because I, I think – I think they can score a handful of points. And I, I don't know that like Denver or excuse me, I don't know that Chicago can do it. Chicago is just brutal, man. But like but then again, like you're also going off of like Denver's also brutal. So I I'm very conflicted. Like I'll just say that I think Denver can score twenty points in this game. And I don't know that Chicago can score twenty points. And whoever loses this game should be ashamed and embarrassed and appalled and should have to hold a press <laughs> conference and apologize to their fan base. Um that's where I'm at with this game. I will be watching Bills Dolphins in the early window. I will be keeping a morbid eye on this football game. I need to know. Like if this game's tied with two minutes left, I'm absolutely putting on like a, a, a split screen. I have to see how it ends. And I feel like it has to end in a ridiculous fashion. There's no way this is a normal football game. This ends with somebody throwing like an a hundred yard pick six and they should be kneeling down. Um, <laughs> so give me Denver and uh and also give me some Tylenol for that football game. All right. Let's get to uh, America's favorite uh, part of the show, uh, sir. What What is going on in your life? Uh, what's happened since we've last spoke? 
Yeah, uh, I don't know what it is, but to start the NFL season, I've been very adventurous, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit to my girlfriend, Caroline. She has me doing things, and I haven't gone camping in like 20 years, man, and and there's a reason for it. You know, <laughs> I, I don't like sleep, sleeping on the ground, no. but I, I made a deal, and I said, all right, let, let's do it, and let's, we'll have fun. It's, it was with, with her family, and, and we, we all had a good time, but uh, sleeping on, on, on a rock on my back, it, it wasn't the, the funniest thing to do. But you know what? It shows that I, I was underprepared, man. Here, I, I was like, like the Broncos going into Miami. Everybody had an inflatable bed, <laughs> like, and I'm like, I thought the whole purpose is to sleep on the ground and be in the woods here. But everybody was comfortable. They all had extra blankets. I had just this one hoodie on. Uh, it was cold out there, so that's maybe the reason why it, it wasn't as fun for me. But to be around pe- good people and just kind of hang around and talk, and it's funny too because like I, I guess I used to do it all the time. You know, her, her and her cousins and her, and her uncles and, and aunts and. You just hang out all night and, and talk by the fire, you know, through the wee hours of the morning. Apparently, everybody's older now, and everybody's going to bed by 9.30 or 10. I'm like, cool, cool. That's fine with me, too. I, don't, I thought they were supposed to talk here for hours and hours. So uh, it, it was good to be around them for a bit. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm more of a, a glamper, glamping. I've done that before. You're actually in a bed in some kind of weird hut. But uh, outdoors is nice for me, but I don't want to sleep there for the whole night and then wake up the next day and try to find the bathroom because it's like, you know, 80 yards away from me, but I survived, uh, Matt, and uh, I've been doing things. I'm very surprised. Maybe next week I won't give you anything because I want to stay home for a weekend, but so far I'm giving you a lot of good content here. Now, I got to ask, like, you're based in L.A. Where were you camping? Like a park? <laughs> like, where, where did you, where the hell did you go? It's not like you could just walk outside and go into, like, you know, the, the rainforest. I mean, yeah. where, where were you? Yeah, I had to drive about, like, two and a half. Well, in L.A., it's just traffic, so it took me three hours to get out of the city, and, and it's a place called Big Bear, and it's a... Uh, it's Big Bird is known for all these. The boxers like to go up there for the ones that live in LA because it's higher elevation and you kind of get get them better in shape. So, I, I, Matt, I went for a walk and I was like, "Yeah, hey, I'll take a beer. It's gonna be it's gonna be a nice little walk." I, I I was out of breath and I'm like, "I can't even keep drinking this beer here, man. I, I, I'm losing it here." So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know how to drive a little little ways out and, and Big Bear is very popular out here in LA, so everybody does that and uh, it was a good time. But yeah, it really reminded me of my age and how out of shape I am. But it, I got to hear about your pickleball. I'm sure you're in better shape than I am. No, I was going to say, well, speaking about being out of shape and feeling <laughs> my age, we, so I played a pickleball tournament on Saturday that I, that I talked about last week, and uh, we really wanted the podium, you know, top three, and we finished fourth. And I, oh. it, I'm not that upset about it. I mean, it was the first tournament I ever did. I, I wasn't sure, like, which bracket, like, which level I should be in. We picked the right ones. That was good. We won the first game 11 to 1, and I was like, we're going to – we're going to roll fools out here. Like, this is great. And then we played two games. We probably, like, take nothing away from the teams we played. But, like, we probably should have won the games. I played off on one of them and whatever. And we, we started out, like, one and three. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, this went downhill in a hurry. And then we won out. We won the rest of our games. And I was like, hey, maybe we, you know, we, we finished four and three. Like, maybe we, we meddled because it, it's like tiebreakers or total point differential. And a lot of the games we won, we won, like, 11-1, 11-3. So I thought, all right, maybe. Finish fourth. So I got another tournament coming up here in two weeks in Lake Geneva now. And now I am driven like nobody's business. I will tell you, though, it's funny. During the, during the tournament, I, you know, the, the, the surface for pickleball, it, it's similar to tennis, you know, in terms of But it's a little bit more gritty. It's a little bit more. It's almost like running on sandpaper, if you can imagine that. And I don't have, like, the right footwear. I just have, like, sneakers, right? So <laughs> I, I went to jump stop really hard to avoid – uh, going over this one line, you can't go to the kitchen line. And I, 
I felt like my foot felt weird. I was like, what ha- like what's going on? And I looked down. I put my foot right through my shoe. And I was like, well, we're going to have to finish like this. Thankfully, it was the last game. <laughs> we were able to just make it work. But uh, and now I went full old guy and got actual pickleball shoes for this thing. So um, that's right. I got some feelers. We're in good shape now. So I, with that, I got a new racket. We're going we're gonna to really ratchet things up here. But, man, uh, it, was, it was an experience. It was interesting. But more importantly, it was my daughter's sixth birthday today. So I'm excited for, for Maisie, who is uh, already campaigning on, on the way to kindergarten this morning for ice cream and for pizza and she doesn't know it yet, but we, you know, she loves Taylor Swift. Like I said earlier, she wants tickets to the to the Eras tour, which we will work on. But um, <laughs> you know, she's doing this thing. Taylor Swift's doing this thing where, like, basically her concert, you can go watch it like a movie theater, and it's like this whole experience. Um, we we bought tickets for that, so that'll be my daughter's birthday gift, which I think we're going on like I think two Fridays from now, something like that, when it comes out. So. Um, she hopefully will be thrilled. But, uh, yeah, she turned six, and I feel like I'm 35 going on 80, playing pickleball nonstop. So that's uh, that's where we are at the Verderam household. First of all, happy birthday to your daughter. Uh, Thank you. Six years old, that's, that's a good age there. You know, keep yep. keep having fun, and I'm sure that Taylor Swift uh, theater concert should be pretty fun as well. But I do have a, a couple, wait, one observation and one question. Uh I had no idea if Fila's were still making shoes. I guess they're in the, the pickleball business. So, so, so that's good to know. If I ever start playing, then I'll get myself some Fila's there. Uh, and actually, two questions. Okay, what level in competition were you in? And did your feet hurt? Like, how long were you playing with, with this busted shoe? Not long, thankfully. A couple minutes. A couple minutes. Right at the end of the tournament. So it, my feet did not hurt. My feet were okay. Um, but it was funny. I looked down, and I was like, this is a problem. Because... <laughs> This shoe was like shattered at the toe. I was like, all right. Um, so that was one. Uh, as far as the, the level of tournament, so there's with pickleball, there's like a rating system essentially. If you're below a 3.0, then you're essentially just a beginner. If you're a 3.0, you're like, you're competent. You can, you can play a rally, you can have it, you know, but like you, you're not really able to hit all the shots, certainly not consistency or consistently, I should say. A, a 3.5 is, is someone who you can, you know exactly, you know, you know the strategy, you know how to hit the shots, you can mostly hit all the shots, you can do it with a pretty consistent uh, shot in, shot out basis. And then once you get to like a 4.0, it becomes like you're you're able to play that consistently. You can do it all the time. You can any shot you want. And then like a 5.0 is like a pro, essentially. Uh, I played in the bracket that's between a 3.5 and a 4.0. So I, I would say, like, realistically, you know, I mean, well, we finished fourth. So I, I, I'm probably, like, a 3.7 maybe. Like, on a good day, maybe I'm close to a four. On a bad day, I'm probably, like, real, like, bottom of the barrel, like, 3.5. So I kind of split the difference. But it's fun. Eventually, I'd like to get to a 4.0 tournament, and then it's probably it. I don't think I'm going pro here. So uh, I think, yeah, 4.0 might be the, the ceiling for uh, for my, my talents. But it's fun. I burn like 450 calories an hour playing, and I usually play like three hours a day. Wow. So um, that's been good. Like the health benefits, like I've lost like 15 pounds and I'm not even, and I'm eating Count Chocula cereal. So it's not <laughs> like, it's not like I've been eating like, like all oh, this great healthy diet. No, it's just, I can't eat enough at this point. Cause I'm, so it's been, uh, 
It's been good. Kudos to uh, Sports Illustrated for having a schedule where it's just like, hey, hit your deadlines, and then you don't have to sit here just for eight <laughs> hours and stare at a Slack screen all day. So, um, yeah, man, it's been good. But, uh, yeah, they, they got me. I didn't get my medal. I was annoyed by that. Maisie was especially annoyed, who wanted to have my oh. medal. That I didn't bring home, so she was. Hey, she was we'll be better for the for the next tournament when you do get. It's gonna be more uh, rewarding and like, okay, we did it. We went through the for, through the ringer. We learned, and here we are at the podium. That's right. That's right. It's the uh, the journey, not always the destination. There you go. I, I uh, yeah. There was also, by the way, and I will say, it was not our match. There was almost a fist fight that broke out at this tournament. <laughs> was, okay. And it was like between four elderly people. <laughs> and, they were not in our bracket, so it wasn't even our tournament. It was just like they had like multiple tournaments going on at the same time. There was an argument you have one timeout per match, and apparently somebody had the audacity to ask if they could go get their headband, but they had already used their timeout. And that <laughs> that caused what was legitimately almost a full-on fish fight between two men in their 70s. So I'm kind of glad it didn't happen, and I'm also kind of upset that it didn't happen. I, I like, want to... Like just- the- like the Broncos oh. and the Bears. <laughs> yeah, right. The saddest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. Um, all right, listen. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Uh, go ahead and leave a rating, leave a review. And if you leave a review with a question in it, we will answer your question. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on any other you know, podcast platform where you find us. Thank you so much for being here. We, of course, will be back next Wednesday to break down all the week four action. For Gilberto Manzano, I am Matt Verder, and thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.